Hey, boys and girls, sports fans, assorted waifs and strays. Guess what? It's Dan here from Diginomica, and we're on episode, I think it's episode six, of the um, Future Enterprise. And today I have a special guest with me, Sunil Panda from Verse Account CEO. How are you doing there, Sunil? Very well, thank you, Dennis. Okay. Let's, you and I How first... Are you? Yeah, I'm pretty good. Uh, we first came across each other, what was it, maybe a couple of years ago, I think it was, wasn't it? Indeed, indeed, yeah. uh, two years ago. Sure. Yeah. And um, I think at the time I uh, I asked you for a couple of customers um, and you gave me two really very, very interesting stories there. So that kind of piqued my interest and we've kind of been in touch on and off through things like Twitter and so forth ever since. I think that's pretty much right, isn't it? Yes, it is. Absolutely, yes. We had uh, two of our customers who, you know, who you talked to about the case study and then published into Genomica. Yeah, yeah. Um, Sunil, one of the questions I wanted to ask you and, and talk to you about is this business of uh, price transparency, which seems to have popped its head up yet again. Um, I mean, you're one of the very, very few companies that not only sort of publish the the price list, but give examples of how that might work out in different scenarios. What What is the motivation behind doing that? Because so many companies want to hide their prices these days. Do you, do you want to just talk me through that? Yeah, sure. So there are um, maybe two motivations. One is sort of the idealism that, you know, why is it that we can't just be straight up with our customers? And uh, we found, you know, we have some idea of why uh, traditional companies don't, and they're not nefarious at all. And the other was really, you know, you end up spending a lot of time on the sales process and at the end of it you find out that oh you you know if you don't set price expectations to the customers you find that uh well the customer can't really afford it so you just wasted a lot of time so that's kind of the selfish reason um <clears throat> we've had mixed success um the, the problem is that when the customers come to you especially in our market which is you know between five and fifty million um, they don't really have a good idea of uh, what they want in the sense that they know all of the troubles they have, but they are not looking forward usually, and they don't know what else they want other than solving their current problem. So you take them through this sort of process of discovery. And, and so you said, you know, they come to your website, they look at a price and they go, oh, okay, it'll be $8,000 or whatever a year. And then you take them through this process of discovery and, oh, by the way, they need this. And, oh, I didn't know you had that. And, and then suddenly it's maybe sixteen or $20,000, right? Uh, because they have all these additional things that they didn't sort of cover when they looked at your website or couldn't figure out. And now they feel misled. Right. So <laughs> it's like, it's a, and, you know, you can go back till you're blue in the face and say, well, you know, it clearly says on our website that this is extra and, you know, all of that, but it really doesn't make a difference because you lost the trust there. Um, and, and they, you know, they might walk away because they just think you're dishonest or eventually you find out they couldn't afford it anyway. And so, you know, you, both of you just wasted your time. So how do you solve that problem? Um, has been a challenge for us. We're still working on it. But one of the things that you do, so one of the solutions is, well, just don't give them a price and say, well, we don't know. 
And that's a traditional sort of thing because really you don't know. The other is based on experience and looking at vertical markets, you look and say, okay, I understand very clearly that you're a, you know, a retailer or, or just an e-commerce thing, or you have a manufacturing component and you'll probably end up in the $15,000 bucket or the $8,000 bucket. And that bucket contains a whole bunch of stuff that I know you need. Maybe you think you don't need it, but you do need it. And it's all included. And so that's sort of the direction where we floated. Initially, we started with a core product in each category, uh, in each price category with a whole bunch of a la carte options. And now we're moving to just, you know, three sort of categories with everything included, whether you need it or not. And then you get into the whole discussion of, well, I don't need that. So can the price be less? But that's an easier discussion where you don't have, you know, there's no trust broken, so that's an easier discussion. Right. Okay. So I, I remember sort of 20, 25 years ago, folk like myself who had experience of, of running software brought into consulting situations and ultimately going into the public domain talking about these. We were very focused at that time on the technology, on the features and on the functions. And, and it was understandable. I mean, the, I'm going back to the days when there were 27 variations of Unix, for instance. Yeah, And, and what do you do? How do you platform the whole thing, right? Now, we, we have moved on. But I wonder, in the context of this discussion, whether the customers have moved on. You know, we've kind of got this whole thing of uh, the next generation, what do they call the millennials, yeah? Um, who, yeah? Who are supposedly tech savvy, but are they tech savvy or aren't they? Is, is it the case that they have been brought up with technology, but because it's relatively consumer grade, what they're seeing, when they're faced with something that's business that has significant business requirements, do they suddenly get lost and start wondering, well, what in the heck am I looking at? I mean, do, do you have a sense that that might play into it, or or am I maybe um, being a little bit odd on this one? No, it's not odd. Um, there the certainly are expectations on, uh, for instance, they are tech savvy, no doubt. Um, but they're also looking at their business usually <clears throat> Um, it's one of those things where you you know you sort of look at your business and see what you have and then say this is really not working i need a better sort of user experience for my customers i need a better i need to be more efficient in inventory management uh, you know so there are very there's a bunch of things that are very obvious and when they look at your solution they are tech savvy they they don't understand why it's going to take 6 months or a year to implement a system when they can download an app on their you know on their iPhones and be uh, you know so they're certainly demanding and they set a bar in terms of uh, usability of your product uh, consumability of your product you know why can't i get going in 2 weeks uh, those kind of expectations are very high and and they're not unreasonable in a sense uh, there's certainly for instance one of the things that we try to do on our side is uh, is really drastically reduce the implementation time and effort and make the implementation process uh, self-service in a sense. So it's very little guidance for us. So we don't, in our implementation, go in and do a whole bunch of stuff for the customers. They do it themselves. So there you go. You know, you have the tech-savvy customer who's able to do that. But 
what they don't know is, I'll give you an example. As you go through the process and, you know, they say, well, I have an e-commerce site and, you know, so do you want to hook it up to your ERP system? And, and they go, yeah, of course. Yeah. Can you do that? Yes. And so that, you know, maybe under some pricing scheme, that's had, adds a price. And, and then, oh, by the way, do you want your large distribution customers to actually self-serve themselves, log into your system and potentially, you know, place orders and pay bills and stuff like that? Oh, yeah, I want that. Okay, well, that adds another price. And, and suddenly, you know, you, you can see how it goes. So... They certainly are tech savvy, uh, but uh, they're not necessarily savvy about the range of possibilities at a business level, I guess. Or, or you know, they might go, yeah, I have this company and, and you know, in Europe I have that company. And you go, oh, okay, well, did you want to consolidate financials? Do you have intercompany transactions? How do you do that? Oh, yeah, we do it all in spreadsheets. Well, you don't need to, uh, you know. And they go, oh, okay, how much is that? And, you know, so that's where where the sort of disconnect comes from. Okay, so, so presumably w- w- what they're saying is we want the functionality, but they're not necessarily doing the... Um, uh, the 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 intellectual work to understand where the benefit comes from, either from a cost or process perspective. They they're just saying, oh yeah, I want it, right, without necessarily thinking right. it through, right? Is 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 that what you're faced with? Do you think? Yes, I I think what what they don't want to hear is that all of these things that when you ask them, you know, they go, yes, in my business, obviously I want it suddenly adds to the price, you know, yeah. they don't want to, hear, you know, so, so how did we end up from $8,000 a month to 20,000? I just don't get that. Yeah. You? Well, you know, you're now managing five companies instead of one and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, and, and that doesn't make much sense. So, um, yeah. It's, I guess it's the classic situation. And, you know, before we got on this call, uh, for the benefit of those um, who are coming in fresh, um, I had actually gotten in touch with Sunil and said, look, you know, there's a few um, things that I want to um, talk about and based upon what I've seen going on with the company. And um, one of them is this whole problem of companies wanting champagne functionality but at beer prices, right? And, you know, with the best, right. will, with the best will in the world... Um, it's not going to happen anytime soon, is it? I mean, it's, it, it just isn't going to happen because what, what these customers don't understand is that, you know, you didn't turn up yesterday with a whole bunch of software and say, hey, guys, you know, here's my stuff. I mean, it takes years to get this stuff together, doesn't it, right? That, that's correct. And, 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 you know, so so that's why, you know, coming back to what you stated earlier is that, uh, we thought one of the useful things might be to provide examples of, you know, various situations and what the price might be. So, you know, the hope is that you look at the pricing on the website and you look at these examples and then go, okay, the pricing on the website, I thought it was $8,000, but I'm looking here and I find that my sort of use case is actually $24,000 a year. So, uh, obviously there's something else going on. Um, that has not worked very well because mostly, really? um, you know, yeah, it hasn't worked because mostly nobody reads any of that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, oh, you know, you, yeah, it's not worked very well. So what we, we finding much better is to just include all inclusive prices, you know, three categories and have 
the the thing that adds to the prices are you know any kind of integrations extra integrations any kind of uh, you know additional modules etc so we're ending up where we're ending up is just three categories of pro, uh, you know product pricing and everything thrown in into those three categories so you know you're either the you know $7000 guy or you're the $6000 guy or the other you know $10000 or you're the you know $18000 a year guy most of the time so then there's no sort of discussion you know you you come in thinking you're that sort of in that bucket and and then you end up in that bucket as well but you know i, I yeah i, I <laughs> Now that you say that, you know, people don't read that stuff, I suppose I can understand it. But I, when I first saw it, I thought, oh, this is really useful because now I have a ballpark in which I can play. And I can see that, you know, maybe my use case is similar to this particular s- scenario. So yeah. I can think in those terms. And I, personally, I yeah. would find that helpful, really helpful. Um, yeah. Hey, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. I mean, who are we to say? It? Yeah, yeah, it doesn't. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, in our market, and and it's probably true. Uh, I mean, the last thing our customers need is a lot of collateral and a lot of stuff to read. They've got their business to run. You know, they don't have IT departments, or they have two part-time IT guys, etc. They're not going to wade through a whole lot of stuff. They do their Google search. They do a little bit of research. You know, they look at your reviews uh, in Captera or something. And then they're right there and say, okay, I want to buy it. And, you know, it's $8,000 a month, isn't it? Okay. And you go, well, I don't know enough about your business, but, you know, that's, it's very hard. And so I come back to, you know, why didn't the traditional vendors, you know, set price, provide you pricing up front? It's because of this, because they really don't know. It's very hard. Um. I, I think I, I think you're probably right in a number of cases. I think that in an, in an, in quite a significant number of cases, there is a there is a genuine fear we're going to leave money on the table. Therefore, let's not tell anybody what the price is until we've got a, a full understanding of what we're getting into. Yeah, I've certainly seen that. Yeah, that's that uh, <laughs> yeah. That, no, no, that's uh, that's absolutely, and that's the main objection. For instance, when we talk to investors who are like, "You're leaving money on the table," and. And, you know, it's one of those things. What are your core beliefs? Eventually you come down to, as a company, what what are your core beliefs? You know, why why are you doing this at all? And we had some sort of idealistic goals and, and we sort of clung to them. So we'll see how it turns out. Okay. Okay. Um, when you say idealistic goals, do, do do tell me what those are, because we we certainly live in an age where um, topics like ethical behavior, uh, standards of operation, um, treating people like humans and not like bits and bytes have, have suddenly become important, allegedly. I don't know whether it's true, but allegedly. So, yeah. so what, yeah. what, do you, what do you think in terms of, of the, um, the way in which you want things to go for your company anyway? So for us, you know, uh, the, the guys on the team, uh, Richard, who is the CTO, for example, is one of the founders of the company, etc. Uh, one of the reasons we started this company is, of course, we saw a problem that we needed to solve, and that, and that problem has evolved as well. But also we said, you know, we just want to build a company where we want to work. And, mm. and that sort of, it kind of boiled down very easily into what kind of company is that? And, you know where we treat people as we want to be treated. So 
So that's the general sort of overall gu- guideline in the company. Treat people fairly, you know, don't sort of tell them stuff that that is not true. Be transparent as much as possible, wh- whether you're sort of talking to a customer about price or internally about, you know, what is going on. Those are some of the basic principles, you know, focus on, you know, be the half uh, full guys, not the half empty guys, mm. uh, the cup half, you know, be and really, really focus on uh, solving problems. Um, you know, so so it's not very complicated when you boil it down is, you know, how, how in every situation, if you ask yourself, you know, how, how, how should I be? How would I feel, or how, how would I want to be treated? Yeah. Uh, you know, fairly, it, 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 the answer is fairly obvious. You know, you want to be essentially treated fairly. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, one of my, one of my heroes in this uh, in this regard is Anil Bushri, the CEO of Workday, um, who who started uh-huh. with the idea. He says, you know, if you've got happy if you've got happy people, you're gonna have happy customers. And um, his last yeah. customer event that I attended, that was the very first thing that he talked about, and the fact that he takes pride in in the um, uh, the recognition that, that his company has had for um, operating in that in that particular way, and it it comes across. Yeah, I mean you see it with their people and you see it with their customers and um it's it, it clearly works i i wonder sometimes whether investors really are that keen on it because their motivations are somewhat different aren't they yeah uh, certainly investors uh, motivations are very different than uh, the management team or the leadership team or, or the company i mean that is uh, clear and we understand that yeah. um and you know uh uh, it is not uncommon to when you're asked that question, you know, what are you guys all about or uh, to have the eye roll, you know, oh, here's one of those guys again. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, but, you know, I, I think as, from our point of view, I mean, if you would go to, you know, I don't want to brag here, but if you would go to Captera, et cetera, and I, I, and I read those reviews from time to time and I'm very grateful for them. The focus is not so much on the product at all. It's uh, always the focus of those reviews has been on how they how the customers have been treated. So, uh, and I think that's what it boils down to. I mean, products will have features that are better than others' products. You know, it's always a back and forth. And I always tell my customers that you know, uh, of course, the the product has to solve your problem, but at the end of the day, it is the steam here that is you know here for you and solving problems for you. And if you like, by the company, by the team, uh, you know, don't sort of focus too much on private functionality. And that sort of resounds with all of our customers. It resounds with the reviews. I, you know, I, I may have told you these stories before, but, you know, I, I've had experience with, you know, I always buy Dell computers and this is not a plug for Dell or I always buy certain kind of appliances. And the reason I buy them is not necessarily because they're great appliances or Dell great computers, but I buy them when, when, when I'm down and I have a problem, they've proven over and over again that they'll come and help me out without creating too much of a fuss. And so that's, it, it, it always comes back to trust, I guess, uh, is right. the short answer uh, then. Uh, okay. 
Okay then, so now. Okay, so we, we, we've talked about we've talked about some of the approaches that, that we see in the uh, the marketplace, but um, I'm I'm very interested in in understanding the kind of challenges that SMBs face in the current um, landscape because unquestionably, at least in the in my lifetime, things have changed dramatically. So, um, you know, what do you see as being some of the bigger challenges uh, for, for those kind of guys? Um, so I think that it's very, you can sort of divide the, uh, the timeline, I guess the historical timeline into before the internet and mobile and, uh, you know, after the internet and mobile. And I think the whole idea that, you know, the, for instance, globalization is, is not something that you, nece- that, uh, uh, small business, at least our, uh, customers were distribution, inventory focused, uh, companies, you know, distribution, manufacturing, et cetera. Um, they have had to think in global terms. I mean, the, the competitive, you know, in terms of sourcing on the supply side and as, in terms of markets as well. So how do you run a global business is something that, wasn't really on the minds of many of our customers uh, who were much more regionally or maximum nationally focused in the 90s. Today, uh, you know, they have to look at very, very large markets to survive. And also they have to think about sourcing from all over the world to remain competitive. So, you know, how does a five, 10, $15 million company family run business do that? Um, a lot has to Certainly, you know, they, they need the uh, the intellectual capacity to figure out they need to do that and the awareness, but also the infrastructure and the systems that they deploy have to be capable of supporting them. You know, suddenly I have a company now in Mexico and then I have one in Ireland and another one, you know, in Spain. And how do I keep this all together when I have my controller sitting in Idaho, for instance? Uh, so that's globalization is a big challenge. Um, I think, uh, as you said, uh, you know, there's a generational change going on here. You know, people are taking over from their grandparents and per- parents. And so the user experience uh, is becoming very important. And so uh, the kinds of one is the internal sort of user experience, the guy who, you know, who comes back from college and now takes over grandpa's business. Uh he doesn't want to deal with, you know, a uh, DOS-based system with character graphics or whatever it is. He's, you know, the iPhone person, uh, iPad person. So there's the internal sort of user experience and he can't, he doesn't understand why or she doesn't understand why, you know, people are printing paper and walking it from account, you know, from the sales department to the warehouse. Uh, and then there is the external user experience, you know, how friction-free is, the interaction of your customers with you, uh, whether it's in the self-service environment or, or, you know, in any other, you know, when they're placing orders, um, how, uh, what kind of uh, experience do they have dealing with you? Um, prices, you know, with this kind of global sort of competitive arena, prices becoming very important, which means you need to really understand your costs. Um, you know, uh, inventory management is becoming exp- very, very important, especially as you sort of source globally because la- lead times become very long. 
those are some of the things that we are seeing. Uh, and, you know, we are part of the solution to some of those problems. So the challenges are, you know, are, are really, really real. Yeah. So, so those, yeah. Yeah. I, I completely understand that. Um, Sunil, I mean, speaking for, for our own business, you know, when we kicked off, uh, what was it, close to six years ago now, um, really it was a science experiment. It's like, you know, could could Hal and his mates make a fist of doing something a little bit different from a, a media standpoint that also took a an analytical approach to um, understanding the world of today and 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 that was where it started and we were very fortunate to uh, to get off to a, to a flying start but as I look at this business today it's radically different from what it was since the, or those years back even though the business model itself has remained fairly constant um, I'll give you an example we, we were looking at our accounts and I just turned around to the guy who runs that stuff and I said um, why have we got nine bank accounts <laughs> and, and it turns out right. that, that we need those in order to mm-hmm. optimize um, exchange rates because as i'm sure you know um the 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 spread on exchange rates through normal banks can be pretty horrendous um and so we need to maintain accounts in those uh, in specific currencies and be able to leverage uh, mid-market rates that and that's just one very very small example um then of course mm-hmm. we have many more partners today than we did back in the in the early days and those people all need managing and they all need servicing and you know if you're trying to to do things the way that you were at the beginning of your, of, of your, of your journey, it just ain't going to work. And then just to add a little bit more spice to it, we suddenly discovered, well, we didn't suddenly discover, we've been discovering it for a long time, but we suddenly realised um, that the platforms on which we've been operating for, for the last five or six years, they're really not going to help us move forward for the next three to five years. And it's like, well, what do we do now? And we're we're a very very small company and yet we're faced with those kinds of issues so when you're saying these things to me it's like yeah you know i'm nodding my head furiously but at the same time i'm wondering i mean we're fortunate okay we're fortunate in the sense that there's a few of us who are um more than tech savvy you know some of us can write a little bit of code dangerously i have to say but some of us can write some code so we do <laughs> we, we do have a we do have a, a a way of being able to look at things that might be different to um your average retailer or your wholesaler or manufacturer or what have we um and and i know that that makes a difference but we're faced with exactly the same troubles as a hundred million 200 million billion dollar business and and sometimes being able to thread your way through the various solutions that might be available to you and figuring out you know what can you realistically spend that will provide you with that differentiated advantage going forward is actually an extremely difficult problem from a business operations standpoint and very often we have to say no we can't do that because we don't have a couple of million bucks lying around to to be able to just throw at this particular problem or what have you so i have a great deal of sympathy and i'm not convinced either that the the developer community is able to to help us that much except in one situation and that's in you know there are some open source uh things that we see lying around and we think you know what that could help us tremendously but you've still got to pay for the service that goes with it i mean you're not going to get away from that bit but at least hopefully you can get away from some of the heavy lifting stuff that that would would go along with it so um i'm i'm with these smbs who are who are struggling and scratching their heads and and wondering what to do do next um i guess from your standpoint it's like well 
you know, how do we go about making it as simple as we possibly can for these people without sacrificing too much functionality? I guess, is, does, does that represent a significant challenge for your company as a, as a, as a development organisation or, or is it not quite as horrendous as maybe I'm making it out to be? No, that actually is a significant challenge. Um, that is uh, a significant challenge. And we we sort of have chosen to sort of embrace it. Um, the We don't necessarily have the most efficient way of dealing it, but with our size right now, we can deal with it uh, much better, I guess. Um, so so we are in, we end up being consultants to some of our bigger customers. We un- end up being uh, consultants year after year after year uh, to them as they start facing new problems. So, um, and what Richard and I and, and, the, and other people have sort of embraced is the fact that even though we, you know, we might have product management capability in the company, et cetera, the development team, uh, Richard in particular, who heads up engineering, attends four or five sales, you know, calls or implementation meetings every week. And that way we sort of remain very focused on solving problems that we never would have uncovered. As, you know, that's where we get all our use cases directly from customers who are either uh, looking at our solution or implementing our solution. What that does is it completely messes up your roadmap. So, you know, you wanted to do all of this because you wanted to do all of this in Q1 and Q1 comes along and your customer says, hey, you were going to release your CRM module. Is it done? Oh, sorry. No, it's actually now in Q3. And not because we didn't want to do it in Q1, but a whole bunch of things came along. Uh, we we have you know you could throw up your hands and say well you you know you can't run an organization like that and we've sort of chosen to say well we do run an organization like that because really that if CRM has not been important enough on call after call after call with the customer then let's focus on what the customer wants yeah um, so. It's a big challenge. Uh, we, we as a vendor, uh, you know, count on really the customers to tell us what they need. And it's not because we don't know what to do. We have a huge list of stuff to do. But clearly, if it doesn't come up in our customer interactions, our ivory tower list is not as important as some of the other stuff they're telling us. So we have to count on them to provide us, you know, uh, what, a vision of what reality looks like because we're not there, you know, manufacturing widgets or selling widgets or whatever. Mm. That's that's so. that's in, that's interesting, Sunil, because um, in in large enterprise, there's often a, a quite a clear distinction between what the business is thinking about and what IT is thinking about. Yeah, whereas what yeah. I think you're saying is is that you know in business in small businesses, well, there probably isn't any IT for a start. But from a developer standpoint, yeah. my IT people and my developer people have actually got to have a good business understanding so that they can um, weave their magic in in a way that the customer is going to be able to accept and be able to accept pretty quickly as well. Is 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 that how you look at it? Yes, uh, absolutely. I, I think uh, while uh, you know, over time, the the development team develops some sense of. 
the business use cases and, you know, how customers use the product. Mm. Uh, every time you have a certain set of functionality in the product, it's time for the customer to tell you about a new set of things that are really bothering them and they need an impact their efficiency, et cetera. Mm. And then you go and solve those problems. And given a company our size, we have limited capacity in terms of engineering. Something has to get bumped. Yeah, You can always say, well, all the stuff that you told us about today, well, we'll do it. But after we finish our roadmap items and we sort of choose to work the other way, which is we'll work on this stuff now and, and the roadmap items will get bumped. Okay. So, so, so from that standpoint, um, I think if I've heard you correctly, you're, you're essentially saying beyond the commodity of debits and credits, to use a trite example, yeah. you're essentially saying that customers are coming to us for, for, for a variety of reasons and they are informing us as to the direction that we should be taking over, over time. And mm-hmm. that has consequences, but hey, um, it allows us to innovate in ways that actually match customer needs for the long term. Um, I'm, I'm putting words in your mouth, but I guess that's how you'd probably think about it, yeah? No, that is exactly, uh, I mean, you put it much better than I, I, I did. But yes, that's exactly the point that uh, if you believe you're there to solve customer problems, then when they tell you the problems uh, and, you know, <laughs> what are you going to do about it? Put it on the back burner and still focus on what you thought you would do, you know, you, you, on something you planned in July to do in. 2019 uh-huh. or you're going to react to that so it's always a judgment call but uh, usually uh, i'll give an example there's a customer who's who, who of ours is you know spread all over the world and what they do is they have this chemical that they spray on um, um, on uh, root you know things like potatoes and carrots and stuff so that they don't sort of sprout in a warehouse and uh, they've done a you know, it turns out that in Europe, all their competitors have sort of been pushed out of the market because whatever they're putting on there, those chemicals are carcinogenic. So suddenly they're the only player in town. On top of that, what they are facing now is some very strong sort of requirements in Europe for barcoding of their products and traceability quite a bit like how pharmaceuticals are traced in, you know, from the origin all the way through their journey. Mm. And so they've come to us and said, Hey, we need to do something about this. There's a huge opportunity in Europe. We don't, we haven't, we don't know how this process works, but we need for you to go on this journey with us. So they are, we're going on the, we don't either know how this, you know, what they need in terms of barcoding, in terms of traceability, et cetera. But we're working with them to figure out all of this and using a lot of the technology that we've developed for the pharmaceutical supply chain uh, and for the distribution chain, uh, you know, on that. So now six months ago, we were totally unaware of that sort of problem as well as, uh, you know, we, we still know little about it, but we're learning. So, so, but we're devoting certain amount of, you know, certain, quite substantial resources to solving this problem for the customer. And then it's, it's solved for many other people who probably have similar requirement in the food and in the food business. Okay. How do you actually go about that, Sunil? I mean, do you see that as say, um, to use an expression with which I'm familiar, um, co-development or do you take it on board and then price it or uh, how does that work? 
uh, co-development is a good way. You know, uh, we uh, we don't charge our customers for the time we spend understanding the problem and brainstorming with them and coming up with a solution. Mm-hmm. Once we have a solution, we say, okay, you know what? This is going to cost so much, and, and we are pretty transparent in our estimates. We said this is going to be what it's going to be, and you know, can you pay for it? And, and sure. customers usually will go, yeah, sure. So we've done the. In fact, our product uh, as a company, we've taken in very little capital from outside, and we sort of bootstrapped our product from day one, building things for customers. So, so that it's become a, especially with our customers who've been. Uh, around for a long time is just a normal way of uh, operating and and you know when you, when you're open and transparent i mean they don't have any problem with it you know that's it's interesting you use you use the b as in bootstrapping word because what i find is is that uh, companies that have bootstrapped very often behave very very differently um to those from those rather that have taken in oodles of vc money where obviously there's going to be a lot of pressure on them to to produce and so on mm-hmm. um i mean we bootstrapped mm-hmm. as well and um there are others that I know that are bootstrapped, and they, they very often have a different ethos about going to market. And that, that doesn't necessarily mean that they have to be the number one or the number two. They, they can have perfectly viable and good businesses serving very specific types of customer with very specific needs. Is, is, that, um, is that your experience as well, or, or, or is it a little different? Well, certainly, I think, you know, uh, the reason we are bootstrapped is because we, you know, again, we come back to the culture. We wanted to build some back, some one kind of a company and we wanted to be quite a bit in control of what we did, how we did it, on what timeline, et cetera. Yeah. So that's the reason uh, for bootstrapping. Um, I think, again, you'll find out that, you know, uh, while we do have... Uh, goals in terms of, uh, you know, how we should perform in terms of financially, et cetera. Um, we, we have quite a bit of flexibility in terms of every customer interaction on, 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 you know, how much to charge and what to charge for and where to sh- share, uh, share the sort of load and where we can't share the load, all of those things. Um, those are things that we have, I think much more flexibility in terms of, dealing with the customer and, 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 and we like that. Right. Yeah. That's interesting because, um, uh, you know, at the beginning of the year, I kicked off this re-engineering project that I've alluded to. And um, we were fortunate that I came across um, a development organization that was prepared to take the same kind of approach in the sense that um, I'm not a believer in time and materials. I think those days are well and truly gone. Um, I am absolutely a believer in, in fixed price, fixed scope, because I think that's where you you get the best outcome given that you have to share responsibility with with your uh, vendor and you have to be transparent with them and um initially they they were a little bit um cagey about it they they weren't certain whether it was what, something that they wanted to do but uh, eventually they came around and said you know what i think this actually works for us because we can see opportunities within this particular project to do things that we've not done before and that in turn gives us opportunities to um provide new services to new customers going down the track i said knock yourself out guys i don't care um, 
and you know I'm really happy that that's that situation so uh, but I think it requires a particular type of mindset to be able to do that and um, I, I don't know whether it's a trend I don't know whether it's something that's going to go forward but it's something that I'd really like to see much more of if in the marketplace um, but we will see um, you, know, you and I yeah, don't get, you and I don't get to comment. dictate the market <laughs> right but, but I'd, I'd make the comment that you know it, it depends how you view your customer I think uh, if if you look at your customer and say, well, you know, they're a customer and, uh, you know, I charge them money and they use my product. That's one thing. If you look at your customer very, we look at the customer very differently. We look at a customer more as a partner who's going to help us build our product, help us build our business, uh, who is much more aware of the problems that need to be solved in the market than we are. And they help us understand and, you know, all of that. So their value add is very high. So we do a similar thing. We, we don't do time and materials with our customers. We sort of look at the problem. And, you know, the funny thing about it is usually the problems that we give our customers fixed price quotes on are ill-defined. They still, you know, they're still not very well defined, but they're sort of in the range of, and, and, and we'll tell the customer, you know, this is approximately in this thing. And then as you, you know, this is approximately a week's worth of work. So, you know, it's so much money. And then as we sort of go down the path, you know, it may become two weeks, it may become three weeks. And we typically don't nickel and dime our customers. We just sort of, the the understanding is that we need to solve this approximately this problem and let's figure out what to do about it and we will both partner up to solve the problem yeah. so uh, if you become too sort of uh, hung up I, I mean in in the old days when i was at intel we used to really sort of specify the life out of everything and and you end up with a solution that is not you know not really a solution because at the beginning of the journey, you really don't understand what the solution looks like or even what the problem looks like in its entirety. So, mm-hmm. um, The last few minutes you've been speaking, and I'm thinking to myself, has Sunil been earwigging in on some of the conversations I've had with the dev team? Because this sounds a terribly familiar story, if I'm perfectly honest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, it is. It is. I mean, you know, you've been around the block, Dennis, so yeah. it's nothing new. We know... We know the problem. The question is, is there a new way to hit, you know, look for a solution? Well, that's the eternal problem, and thank goodness that, that, that we have it because it, it keeps us uh, busy, it keeps us um, active, and it keeps us curious, I think, about what whatever happens next. Um, yeah, indeed. Okay, so now, listen, we're, we're up to 42 minutes, and um, I kind of like to get these things closed out. <laughs> Last thing, what's top of mind for you right at this moment in time? What's the one thing you th- you're thinking about that uh, um, that you'd like to share? Uh, for us as a company, it's, uh, you know, it's how do we uh, grow and how do we maintain our culture? So, you know, you, you start out and, in, in, you know, you have from one to 10 employees, you have a, you have this ideal vision and it's easy to keep it, you know, keep the company together and, you know, everybody's on the same plate and then you go from one to 10 to maybe 30 and then, you know, it's much harder. And so that, that what I worry about all, all day long uh, the most is not, is there a market that clearly is or, you know, 
are we going to be successful? I think if we focus on our customers, that will automatically happen. You know, uh, the issue is how do we scale? How do we sort of continue to maintain our culture? How do we sort of uh, continue to be the company that we want to be uh, and get the right people on board, et cetera? So that's top of mind for me. Yeah. Uh, usually, uh, you know, I, I think everything else is a much easier problem to solve. <laughs> well, everything else in our world is kind of code, isn't it? And in the end, yes. everything gets solved yeah. in code, even if it's not necessarily the software. Yeah, if you if you get the right people in place thinking the right way, then everything else becomes easy. Okay. So now, listen, that's a great place to um, to stop at this time. Um, um, it's been too long since we've spoken, and I've, I've really enjoyed this uh, conversation, and um, I hope hope it's been good for you as well sir yes it has dennis thank you very very much for this opportunity and one of these days i really do hope to see you in person well there we go <laughs> thanks very much indeed sunil <laughs> cheers now thank you take care bye bye